This is Michelle Richardson, and welcome to Sales Performance Radio. This is episode three of our Five Types of Sellers podcast series. Welcome to Sales Performance Radio with Drea and Tony, where we are continuing our five-part series on the five types of sellers. Today, we'll be talking about the servicer type of seller, of which there are two. So there are technical servicers and more customer-oriented servicers. We're going to touch on both of those. Tony, tell us about some common characteristics of the servicer type of seller. Yeah, so the servicer type of seller is, is a unique type of seller from the standpoint that they do bring a lot of value to their customers because they're providing great service and customers want to do business with them because of that service. Now, some are more technically focused, so they're the type that goes in there. Maybe they really know the equipment and they're, you know, I've, I've been with sellers where they will, you know, can even fix a piece of equipment and they're spending a lot of time doing this sort of technical service to their clients. Others tend to be more, it's about the customer service. They don't really want to feel that they're salesy. They just want to provide great service. How can I help you? How, yeah, how can I help you? What do you need? What can, we do? You. What, what can we do for you that's going to make it better for yeah. you? And these are great things. The problem is, is they don't drive more business. Right. So they maintain the business that they have, but they don't really expand the business. And oftentimes they will over-focus on the same accounts and maybe the organization needs them to de- be developing new business, and they're not doing that mm-hmm. because they're more comfortable with servicing these particular accounts. Now, the technical servicer is a little bit different than the customer servicer from the standpoint that the customer service really doesn't see themselves a lot of times as a salesperson, and they really are more suited for a customer-type service type role or maybe an account management service or type role, but they probably aren't going to get you much more business out of that account unless it comes to them. Right. The technical servicer, they just get overwhelmed because they feel they've got to be there to show their expertise and they don't necessarily want to pass things off to somebody else that is that's their job. That's or their who role might to mess do that. it up. Right? Yeah, and especially if they've had <laughs> challenges in the past, where maybe a, somebody came in and it didn't go well, and they they had to deal with a complaint from the client mm-hmm. uh, or the customer, and so they're like, "Well, I'll just handle it myself." Uh, the beauty of the technical servicers of all the types, they're the ones really with the greatest potential for growth because their knowledge and expertise is so great, it's helping them channel that in a way that allows them to build value, not only through the sales process, but to help them have a plan for developing new business and maybe taking some of the things that they think they have to do off their plate but they've got to be willing to give up control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and those types often, I find, are so focused on reducing the likelihood of mistakes. You know, they're very risk averse. So that's their, what in their mind is a value. So shifting their mindset from a focus on reducing risk or making mistakes to driving value and revenue in the account so that they get that balance. And that's that I think is a beautiful thing too. If you can get that person there where they can uh, see the logic and the value of balancing the need to make sure it's done correctly, but also that you're driving revenue inside the account. Yeah. And I'll give you an example of an organization that had some issues going on. And that is their large manufacturer uh, and they sell into various plants in different industries for packaging and containers and various things of that nature. Uh, and a lot of the stuff that they do is custom type business. So it's going to be custom products, engineered solutions. And as we were 
using one of the tools, which we have is known as the sales development index, which actually allows us to kind of look at the team as a whole. We analyzed the team as a whole and found that they weren't meeting their sales goals, but 40% of their team, almost 40% of their team were kind of hardwired to be this sort of technical servicer type role. Digging into it deeper is we analyzed kind of who those people were and what was happening in their accounts. Nothing was really growing. Mm-hmm. And as they really looked into it as an organization, they found these people are pretty much in a routine doing the same thing every week. And they needed them to be opening some new accounts, but that's not where they were spending mm-hmm. their time. So we had to help them establish some expectations, mm-hmm. define some parameters, and help those folks understand you're going to have to change what you're doing. we got to have some activities that you're not currently doing put in place, and you're going to be held accountable for doing that. Now, many of them were able to make that transition. A few maybe weren't comfortable, and they wanted to stay more in that technical services role. And that's great. Maybe they become uh, the technical expert uh, as opposed to the seller. As a a sales engineer. So So they're they're worried to go into that new area because there are all these unknowns, too. So the technical servicer, maybe even the customer service type servicer, they like to deal with the knowns, known people, known relationships, known tasks and responsibilities, known risks. And once you ask them to move into the unknown, that's when they start to, eh, I don't know, I'm going to just kind of go where I'm comfortable. So cer- certain types of sellers really enjoy the unknown. They thrive in the unknown. They prefer it. These types, the servicers especially, love the known. Yeah, and here's the, the biggest challenge we know in today's world of selling. Those people that are able to have higher level business conversations and not just about the product or their expertise, but actually business conversations at higher levels in an organization are actually winning more business. And the days are quickly fading where you can win business at what we call level three buyers who really it's all about making their life easy. And this is where that technical expertise and even the customer service comes in handy because that's what these folks are looking for. Mm -hmm. And so it resonates with them. But in order to grow, you got to get to levels two, level one, more VPs, more executive type buyers. And that's not the same conversation. So helping them feel confident is another thing that we have to do sometimes is give them the skills so that they can have those conversations. And some can transition, others will struggle. And and you can partner those those folks, perhaps, if it works for you, with the people who are perfectly comfortable walking into those rooms and having those conversations to be that resource. Yes, and so that's sometimes where some team selling has to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and organizations are now maybe looking at that some different models mm-hmm. uh, to maximize the talent that they have. So we, we truly believe here at the SPR Radio that every talent has a fit somewhere. Right. And there's things that are going to do really well. Mm-hmm. Let's make sure you've got them in the right roles. And sometimes maybe you just don't have the right role for them in your organization. And those are the hard decisions that have to be made. I was just out of the country, Drea, working with an organization. And they had a person on their team that had come in into more an entry-level type sales role. And really the nature of that role was more customer service. And they would go out there and meet with the, not the people making the buying decisions, but the end user and help them understand the products, how to effectively use the products, how to maximize uh, uh, the, the results of those products and did great. But then, because that was a limited career path, promoted this person into a more sales focused role where now they got to go out there and work with distributors, have business conversations, talk about margins, talk about, uh, you know, 
buy-in of products, to sell through the distribution network, and have struggled because that's not who they are. Right. And now, now it becomes the tough question. Yes, in order for them to give this person more money, and they deserve more money, they had to put them in this other role. Mm-hmm. And they just don't have the luxury right now of put him in, putting him back in that the previous role and giving him the same income that he's now getting. And so it's going to be a bit of a challenge. That's, that's where we really want organizations to really think about their talent. Mm-hmm. And if you've got those who are technical servicers or even more customer service oriented, and you need them to sell, you've got to really have that conversation with them. And even have the conversation from a manager standpoint, is that what you want to do? Absolutely. And I think a lot of times people like that don't realize that that's not what they want to do. They don't realize it until they get into the role and they have what I call their oh crap moment. And they realize I'm going to have to do these things that make me feel deeply uncomfortable every day, day in and day out. Is it really worth it to me? And then you lose a great customer service person. Well, and as, potentially. as I mentioned, I mean, in, in, in when working with the one organization where we used our sales development index and really analyzed their people, their strengths, their natural way of selling, you know, there are quite a few people that were hardwired to be, this was their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And some of them were not going to be able to do these other things because they you were asking them to be somebody they were not. That's right. And anytime you, people can do that in the short term, Drea. But long term, they'll get burned out because they're having to exert so much energy to become somebody that's really not them. And we want them to function in their natural environment so they're not having to change who they are. Right. So let me ask you this. When a sales manager is confronted with one of these types, what are some things they can do? What are some tips that can help bring them around if you can bring them around? Yeah. So and there are some that can easily, uh, you know, come around and become great performers, phenomenal performers. But one of the things is you got to really sit down with them and have an open conversation and really talk about what they enjoy, what they maybe don't enjoy, and then develop a success plan for them. Maybe it's, let's look at your territory. Let's identify 30 potential new accounts. Don't expect them to do this on their own. Help them develop a plan and a process for going after those new accounts. Because once they have a plan and a process, they can be pretty successful. They Mm got to kind of get over their fears a little bit. Mm -hmm. But if they've got some structure and they can rely, they get very confident when they have structure a lot of times. Mm -hmm. So if you give them the structure, then phenomenal, they can start having success. Others, they're just not going to be able to do it. It's too far of a a reach for them. I'll share the story uh, around why this particular type can sometimes really become some of your best performers. I was working with an organization and there were two people in the room when I was training them on on our sales process, the impact selling process. And we were getting through two days of classroom and one gentleman was sitting in the front. The other person was sitting in the back. The person in the front was the number one performer in their entire organization. It was a team of about 50 sellers. And the person in the back was number two. The person in the front was actually an introverted, very nice, soft-spoken type gentleman. He's the number one performer. The number two performer, by the way, number two performer in the company, so doing a lot of great things, aggressive, assertive, I'm going to hunt and, mm-hmm. and, and eat what I kill mindset. What right? you typically associate right. with sellers. What we typically think we associate with sellers. That's why mm-hmm. we don't want to box people in. But basically, throughout two days, I heard him consistently making comments He's number one because he's got a lucky territory. You know, he's not that good at negotiating. 
I'm better at negotiating. He's not that good at closing. I'm better at that. And he was taking pop shots throughout the two days of training. By the second day, I think he was jealous because he wasn't number one. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like very it. competitive. <laughs> right? The second day, he's got a little posse with him. And they're taking shots too, saying, yeah, he's just got a lucky territory. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll never forget. It's about an hour before we end the class. And this nice guy sitting in the front stands up and says, I've heard enough. And he turns around and he looks at this guy in the back of the room and he goes, we're friends. I like you, but I've listened now for two days as you've taken shots at me. And I would agree that you're better at negotiating. I would agree that you're better at these other things that you said you're better at. But, and he asked me, he goes, can you go all the way back to the front of the program where we're talking about having plans and strategies for prospecting and business development? And I said, sure, I am. So I go back there and he says, you see where we're talking about having multiple streams, not just one way of prospecting, but various strategies. So you might get two here or three here. He goes, the reason I'm number one is because while you may be better at these other things, I kill you at prospecting. At the very beginning. And I have a plan and I have a process and I have seven different strategies that I'm working at any point in time. So as a result, I have far more opportunities at any single point in time than you ever do. And then he looked at him and he said, that is why I'm outselling you by $2.5 million a year. And he said right back <laughs> and, he might, and he dropped the mic at that point. So it was, it was a real, rather funny. So um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's an excellent point and a great point too. It's really at the beginning of the process. A lot of people think and focus at the end of the process, closing strategies, negotiating strategies that that's what's important. But what I'm hearing from you is that this person who's actually the number one performer focuses their attention on the beginning of the process to make sure from the outset that they're setting themselves up for success. And a better job of having conversations, asking questions, really listening and building the value so that negotiations doesn't have to be that tough because mm-hmm. they've aligned it when to you the get value. to negotiation, when you get to negotiation, it's just an uh, um, automatic uh, common sense ending to a conversation that you've been having this whole time. And that is the beauty about the servicer type. They're actually really good listeners. So they really do create value as long as they're asking the right questions and are confident to do so. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, as I mentioned earlier, being able to get higher into organizations and not getting stuck at the lower levels where people can't really make decisions. Well, I'm curious to hear too, those are some excellent stories, Tony. That was really interesting stuff. Um, what about spotting this type, the servicer type, whether technical or customer servicer, before you hire them? So in the interview process, what is the, how is this person likely to come across? What are some things they're likely to say to you? What are some maybe techniques and interview questions? You can Any insight it, there? It's really challenging sometimes to spot them in the interview process yeah. because there's a whole host of things going on. that the, you got to get deeper, and you're just not going to see that in the interview process because it's underneath the surface. But some of the things that you may notice about this type during the interview is for the technical servicer, they really, really spend a lot of time talking about their, their knowledge and expertise, mm-hmm. uh, maybe their technical background. Uh, and, and, and we think this is phenomenal. Look at their background. But it may be giving you hints. You're not hearing business con- mm-hmm. business talk. You're hearing about their knowledge and expertise. Or maybe asking about the products that you sell yes, and the technical aspects you know, of the and, and what's and the emphasis su- on that. The support on that. And so, there, and that's, you know, you really have to dig in deeper. But the other thing is, is for the customer service type, one of the things that they will tend to ask in the interview is they'll be asking things around, well, how do we really help our clients? 
How do we make sure that they're getting the proper service? Mm -hmm. How's our service, right? And so it's indicating that that's where their focus is. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's how that's what they're going to do. And they may ask also ask, well, if I come to the job, how many existing customers am I going to get? And the reason they're asking that is because they're thinking, oh, I'm going to get 30 or 40 existing customers. Whew, I can spend my time there. I don't have to go out and do as much, mm-hmm. right? Because they maybe naturally already know they're afraid of going out there and, do, and doing business development type Which work. Which kind of leads me to a great question that I often recommend asking to our clients who use our assessment tool to help them suss this out, right? To, to measure these things is uh, asking in the interview process, Historically in your sales career, how much time do you typ- have you typically spent hunting versus farming? Hunting for new business, developing new business versus farming existing business. And what, where do you prefer to spend your time so that you can get a sense for in their history what that has looked like for them and what their preference is? Yeah, and one of the things that I think we, we have to realize in today's world is majority of sales roles are a combination of driving new business and maximizing business out of existing customers. And when we think in terms of business development, it is actually both. Because those who really, you get get different types of sellers. There's a process for account management, Mm -hmm. which includes developing new business opportunities and more revenue. And that is hunting within an account. And then there's opening new accounts. The problem is, is when you have somebody really who just, they don't want to do any of that they just want a service, and that's mm-hmm. that's going to be the challenge. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to Sales Performance Radio today. If you like our show and would like to know more, check out thebrooksgroup.com. We'll also be hosting a live webinar in partnership with Selling Power in conclusion to the Five Types of Sellers series. So stay tuned for more details about that. For now, you've been listening to Drea and Tony, and we'll see you next time.